Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Claudia Nicole. I'm a medium here in Perth and WA, and this is my Invincible podcast series. This is about shining a light on some extraordinary women holding space in a beautiful way. And today's guest is Nina from the Mindful Parenting Lifestyle. Hi, Nina. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> good, good. So glad that you joined us today. Um, I was rereading your story this morning before calling, and I'm just blown away because you've had we can say some limitations, <laughs> but, against you. <laughs> but it looks like you've created something incredible. So for all yeah. of you listening, Nina's background, um, she was in quality insurance before, but if you go further back at 21, she got a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. what did that look like for you? What did, how did that limit you or what did that look like for you at the time? Well, I was in uni at the time. I just moved into a share house with a bunch of girls I think it was second year uni and all of a sudden I realized I couldn't actually um walk properly like I was always having trouble with my feet my feet always hurt even walking home from the tram like you know a couple of hundred meters it was really hard and I couldn't quite understand why and then one day I woke up and I couldn't bend my little finger wow um and that was weird (laughs) and it was it was kind of, I just I felt like I was complaining all the time about things being hard and, you know, not wanting to be a window, I kind of kept it to myself and eventually I realised I had to go to the, see a doctor. Um, and after a few um, false negatives with my blood testing, um, it did come back as rheumatoid arthritis and it was such a relief. <laughs> it's interesting that you use a word relief, but I guess just having something to put it against would start to give you answers. But did they tell you what you would and wouldn't be capable of or what your uh, quality of life would look like from there? Well, no, he pretty much, the doctor pretty much put me straight on the hard stuff, straight on the drugs. He said <laughs> um, it would take a couple of months for things to start to get better. So um, I, I was having situations where I couldn't walk down the stairs in wow. my house. I had to sit on my bum and kind of bum shuffle down the stairs. Um, and so knowing that it would take a, quite a while for the drugs to work and then it would still be um, a bit of hit and miss as to what would work and what wouldn't. So I kind of knew that it would be a long journey, but knowing that there would be an end point was really helpful. That's fantastic. And how long was your journey? Because you went on to run marathons, which is incredible. I did. <laughs> so that was so I was 21 then. It probably took a good couple of years to feel like I didn't have arthritis anymore. Um, having said that, I wasn't allowed to drink alcohol. So being in my early 20s and not drinking alcohol, that was tough. <laughs> um, but also good because it meant I didn't do anything stupid, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so I remember working one day. I used to work at events. So I was working in Melbourne in the Botanical Gardens um, as a waitress. And I remember having to ask the chef to open the bottle of champagne because I couldn't open it. And um, the Melbourne Marathon was on. And so I remember saying to her, I'm going to run a marathon one day. And so it took a good 10 years. I ran my first marathon in 2010. So that was about nine years later, actually, um, where I committed. I actually started really slow. I did a six-month training program to make sure that I wasn't going to push my joints too much. Um, And then I ran the marathon in the May. I think I started training in the December. That's amazing. Honestly, like I'm, I suppose you're saying, of full health and I still can't imagine the dedication that it would take to train for something like that. So it always blows my mind, but especially when you have health things that you're kind of pushing against as well. That's incredible. Yeah. I think it made me, I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have arthritis. 
I don't think I would have <laughs> had that desire. So this yeah. is your mindset then. If if you have limitations put against you, you find ways to overcome or get around them. It doesn't seem to be you'll do whatever it takes as long as you get the result that you want. Is that is that accurate for you? I think so, yeah. I I, I get more determined to kind of like prove the arthritis wrong or, you know, the, the um, challenge wrong to kind of prove that I can overcome it. Um, I remember from my wedding, I never wear heels. For my wedding, I trained to wear high heels so that I'd be able to wear high heels on my wedding day. <laughs> wow. See, this is like, this is kind of the pattern that I see all the way through your story. You're kind of going, I'm going to do that. And you're not scared of the long yeah. game. So. <laughs> so where did you meet your husband? What was your love story? Our love story is uh, very modern. We met internet dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to Perth um, in 20. I don't know, 2011 or something, um, and I met him a year later. Um, so I met, I didn't really date or anything when I first got here, but I finally decided to give it a go. And he was one of the first people that I met dating, and I remember we were sitting in a coffee shop, and I thought, oh, geez, I hope he likes me because he's really cute. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and still and happily, it, really, and still happily together now, all the way down the track? All the way down the path, yeah. It was our eight-year wedding anniversary earlier this month. Oh, so. congrats. That's awesome. And three Thank boys you. down the track as well, I believe. <laughs> three boys, yeah. They're two, six, and four at the moment. So wow. that's just very busy. <laughs> <laughs> so you said in your email when we were talking before that you had to change your medication for your arthritis so that you could get pregnant. I did, yeah. So one of the drugs that I was taking is a strong, um, it's actually a cancer drug, but I take it on a very light dose. Um, not pregnancy friendly, so I had to stop um, stop that to fall pregnant with nothing else to really fall back on. Um, so while I, I took us about a year to fall pregnant, so I had um, what about like fifteen months of not taking this particular medication. So I stopped running, I stopped um, any kind of physical um, like impact on my joints, kind of exercise. I did lots of walking in the pool, which was really boring. Um, <laughs> And then we fell pregnant and then during pregnancy, that's when I got heavier and heavier, it was really tough. Um, I had trouble walking. Um, I had to go get um, cortisone injections every month just oh, so wow. that my knees weren't too swollen. Um, I remember when I walked into work one day and I just sat down on the bench and people had to help me get to the office um, because I just couldn't walk. Oh, Nina, that is tough. And especially, <laughs> I mean, how much weight did you put on? How much was like, because I mean, when I, got, um, when I was pregnant, I think I did nearly 30 kilos or 25 kilos was horrendous. <laughs> yeah, it was about 20 kilos, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it counts. Um, it definitely does. Because I mean, it I felt does. it. And not, and not doing as much movement, I think, made a big difference. I mm. think I did water aerobics, but I think, you know, your joints are used, I mean, you're heavier, but yeah, I think that's not moving as much would have made a difference as well. But then not having that medication um, was the biggest thing. Um, and the cortisone was just like magic, honestly. It was just amazing. I'd, I'd walk into office, the office the day after my cortisone injection, I'd practically be dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and then you went and did this three times. So it was well, something no, that you would have... No, it was slightly different, um, Kylie, because... Um, when my eldest Luca was born, I went back on the methotrexate, back on the scary one. Yeah. Um, and then I, because I was on it for long enough, I qualified for a brand new medication, which was pregnancy friendly. So oh. I could stop the scary one and I went on the good one. Um, 
And so then I didn't actually have that trouble for the other two pregnancies and I was able to continue breastfeeding and things with them. So oh, fantastic. luckily I didn't go through that three times. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, had, I just I had this image of you having to go through this, like every single time being like, oh, cool, we're going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I may have only one child if that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... That kind of brings us on to what you're doing now, which is your mindful parenting lifestyle. So yes. just to be clear, what's the difference between mindful parenting and gentle parenting? I don't think there is a difference. Um, I don't know much about the gentle parenting, but mindful parenting, I guess the focus is on being mindful, which makes sense. But <laughs> it's about ourselves, working on ourselves first. Um working on our mindset, our awareness, um, our mindfulness practice so that then we can be there. And so the communication tools that we learn are kind of secondary to the work that we do on ourselves. So, so that, that might be the difference. Okay. Um, and this was a course yeah. that you did over in the States. And again, you said that you had to get up at midnight every week to go and do your yeah. training for this. Yeah. So here's that dedication um, again. It is. So the course, um, was created by Hunter Clark Fields and she runs it over in the US um, and she was running the teacher training and it, yeah, it was 11 o'clock every night, oh every word. Thursday night for four months and it was an hour and a half <laughs> and so um, I just, I really wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to have a job where I helped people and this, I, the mindful parenting course when I did it with her, it changed my life. It just, it was revolutionary. So I really wanted to teach it to other people and so being able to to get up at 10 o'clock it was tough but it was well worth it definitely what was it like what was your life doing that made you go looking for another solution like what was your existence looking like that made you think that it wasn't okay how it was uh, it was just it, I yelled a lot my husband yelled a lot um every day I, I talk about this when I introduce my courses and things like I'd wake up in the morning I started after I had my third child. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like, okay, today's going to be a good day. Today's <laughs> going to be good. I'm not going to yell today. It's going to be fine. And then within about an hour of waking up, I would just be like, oh, my God, when is it going to be bedtime? This is too hard. Because wow. <laughs> I think they were, they were a newborn and then a one and a half and a three and a half. So they were all still very needy. Um, and I had family support, um, but it's, not quite the same as no. to, to get through the day by yourself. And I got shingles as well when the youngest was six weeks old. So that didn't help. Wow. Yeah. And those are um, intense ages. It's so much. And, oh, and to have three of them. On. Full on. And so I, I did a free course with Hunter. Um, and so what she was saying just really resonated with me. And I thought, oh, hang on, I can learn some more stuff here. Um, and so I did. So I did her program myself. Um but it was more just wanting to enjoy parenting. I wasn't enjoying it like I wanted to. Um, it was just all too hard. I didn't like the person I was becoming because I was yelling all the time. I was grumpy. I wasn't being a fun mum. I just was feeling overwhelmed with all the things that I had to get done and not having any me time. You know, all those things that come when you're a new parent, um, you know, trying to find a new normal. And where I was, I didn't want that to be my new normal. For sure. You know, they say you live your minutes how you live your days or something, or you live your months. I did not want to be like that anymore. Absolutely. And in terms of work, had you taken time away from work for the boys or were you still working? What did that look like? Yeah, I took about 11 months off each time. 
but I was raring to go back each time. <laughs> I went back early. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you did the course and that for you changed things. What did your parenting become? What did it look like on the other side of that? It looked like um, I was kinder to them. I was able to, well, I am able to look at things from their situations now before straight away getting angry and cross and not understanding why they're acting the way that they are. Um, I am able to, like, understand if something's bothering me to kind of dig deeper and think, why is it actually bothering me? Is it a really big deal? Can I just stay in their pyjamas all day? Like, who cares? Um, And I think it's more understanding my emotions, what makes me tick, um, and understanding them more, I think, being able to communicate to them so that they can understand where I'm coming from. Would you yeah. say that the skill set that you've learned in this space has translated across into your other relationships, your marriage and your friendships and your family dynamics? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially with my husband. Um, you know, always, you know, you want things to be a certain way, but then being able to take a step back and think, well, why is he doing things like that? Or um, why is my brother not messaging me? So <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, definitely. And I hear that a lot from when I, in the, the clients that I teach, um, their relationships, how it's been really good for their relationships, especially when couples do the program together um, and they're able to do that, go on that journey together. I think it's made a good big difference on their relationship. I think it's something that's so sorely needed anyway, just that the ability to have that self-awareness and also to improve in communication because so mm. many people feel like they've said the same thing a thousand times and they're shut down. And when you get to that shutdown yeah. point, whether you're parenting, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're dealing with family members, regardless of why, but when you get to that shutdown point, it's really, really hard to come back from it. Exactly. And it's being able to, to take that step back and think about why why the shutdown happened. What can I do? You know, you don't always have to win everything. You don't have to always be the bigger person. You can take things as they are, kind of um, observe them non-judgmentally. It does definitely seem like a kinder, a kinder space to come at something from, but I, I reckon it would take practice. <laughs> it does take practice, and that's one thing I teach. It's not about being perfect and getting everything right all the time, and that's a big part of what I teach as well. Um, acknowledging that we will make mistakes, and we're human, and that's normal, and not to dwell on it. Yeah, what is the saying when you know? Mistakes when you know better, do better, which is, I mean, it's great in concept, but sometimes that awareness only comes after an event or after reaction. Yes. So. Uh, so I like to say, when you know better, you do better. And if you don't, you apologize. <laughs> I was just about to ask about that because the apology aspect, um, I don't, I personally don't find it difficult to apologize, but I do think that that's something that I trained myself into when I was younger. And that came from yeah, being okay. in a conflicting space in my family environment. So I would apologize to keep the peace, which is not the right reason to be apologizing. Yeah. <laughs> but do you find yeah. that um, giving yourself as a parent permission to apologize to a child for behavior that is maybe not your finest hour? <laughs> oh, look, 100%. And it's something that with a mindfulness practice, you know, I can stop now mid-yell <laughs> and say, sorry, I shouldn't have started to yell at you. Um, and I think that, once you get used to doing it and you realise what you're doing, it's easy to apologise, but then you still have to learn from it as well. So, yeah. um, but I also I also was thinking about this this morning in regards of when you you teach your children. So when we're apologising, we're teaching them to apologise. 
you know, if they do something that they don't like. And this whole thing of forcing children to apologise when they're not ready, that's something that I've been thinking more about recently as well. Um, so if we are role modelling the correct way and the correct reasons and the correct moments to apologise and not forcing them to apologise when they're not actually sorry that they did something, um, I think that's really important too. Ooh, that is um, that kind of pokes at some kind of uncomfortable depth in my soul because I'm one of those, <laughs> you know, where oh, I will no. encourage him. I mean, my son's only two, but I will still yeah. try and encourage him to apologize immediately when he's done something wrong. So that's definitely poking at something for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, kind of um, maybe explain to him what happened and why people aren't happy and then asking him if he'd like to apologize rather than forcing him to before he gets, you know, go to the next stage of the day. That's, it's something I feel quite strongly about, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I can see why. I can see why. Yeah. I think... I think so much of my parenting, because my mum passed away uh, when I was pregnant with Tommy, so I never had anyone to bounce things off against. And d- my husband's family are amazing, but they live over in the UK. So uh, it's very much yeah. been just me and him trying to figure it out together. So, well yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm not too sure if that's a deserved well done, though. <laughs> But you learn as you go. Um, oh, exactly. I just feel like I'm I'm consciously trying not to model behaviours that I feel are outdated or that are just because this is how we were raised doesn't mean that we go on and repeat mm. those patterns. And I think that that is so difficult. So difficult, yeah, exactly. We're unlearning, you know, our childhood in how we want our children to be raised, I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> you did your first course, you held your first course here in February 22, is that right? Yeah, yep, last year. And then just three months late, no, in July, so a few months later you went full-time, so you left your day job and you decided to do this full-time. Yes, well, not just three days a week, um, but yeah, it's like my only job now that I do. That's amazing. And when yeah. you think about your life now as versus when you're in the corporate space, how is your balance? How is your work-life balance? How is your financial situation? You know, like how's your headspace? Yeah, I think I find it harder now to separate work from home because I work from home and my work is about children. Yeah. <laughs> so I do find it harder to switch off. But having said that, I do enjoy having the freedom to be able to be parent helper in my son's class, which I was yesterday, or, you know, to go to the assemblies and to be part of their lives, their school lives, and not feel guilty about having to let people down in the corporate world. Um, you know, if I don't, if I'm not there working, then I can just catch up later if I need to. I like having that flexibility and that freedom. Yeah. Um, and so even though I find it harder to switch off at the weekends and things, I do feel like um, it's a better balance. So well, how are your courses structured? Do you take on, is it a group environment or is it one-to-one? How do you work? I have a group program that runs um, for eight weeks and it's two hours a week via Zoom. That's not currently running at the moment. I've actually just launched a membership um, because the people, I was finding it that the two-hour commitment was too much um, for two weeks, you know, every week for eight weeks. So I'm launching a membership now whereby it's half an hour sessions once a week but the sessions vary so there's a mindful parenting component there's a Q&A component there's a mindfulness for children component so you actually sit with your child and learn mindfulness techniques with them um, and then some live meditations as well so it's, um, I'm kind of tweaking it a little bit to make it a bit more 
um, easy for a busy parent to actually participate. Yeah. That's a brilliant idea. And with that format, is it something that's evergreen? Can people join at any time and stay for as long as they like? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it kicks off in June. I'm, I'm finding members now and it kicks off in June. So. That's brilliant. And if people yeah. who are listening are interested, where can they find you? How can they contact you? So I have a website, mindfulparentinglifestyle.com.au, but I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram has those silly underscore things. I, I couldn't get one without those. So, um, But Facebook is just Mindful Parenting Lifestyle. <laughs> okay. Is it better for them to message you directly on one of your socials or how do you prefer to be contacted? Yeah, socials is fine. That'd be great. Yep, just send me a message or a private message. Um, and, yeah, I can definitely get in touch and let you know more information. No, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Another thing I do, Kylie, which I think is really great, is I run regular Mindful Nature Walks. Um, so it's an opportunity for families to get together. Um, they're free, um, just down at Perry Lake Preserve in Perth. Um, and it's a really great opportunity for families to get outdoors and be mindful together and learn little bits and pieces like that, which um, I've had some great feedback from the last two that I've held. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. How did you get to that? Like, what, what led you there? That's amazing. Oh, I just decided to. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's... It goes back to after Luca, my eldest was born, I set myself the challenge um, to run 100 kilometres of the walk, sorry, 100 kilometres of the Bibbulmun track. Um, not in one go, just okay. like various weekends, just going down and, and walking. And I set up a little Facebook group and got some friends involved. And I was really keen to kind of get that back again, but make it a lot easier logistically. <laughs> so, um, especially with young kids, they're not going to walk, you know, 15 kilometres. No, they're so, not struggle. Like, yeah, that's right. And I don't want to push a crown that <laughs> So it kind of it came out of that and it, and it wants to get back into nature and, and have like a family event where families can get together. And so sometimes you just need that push. Like you know you should go out into nature, you know you should go for walks, but sometimes just having something there where it's in the calendar, you know, it's, it's there, you're going to go, um, not make excuses on the day kind of thing. So, it's also yeah, a community that's really fun. thing. Um, I find community, yeah. I find that we yeah. undervalue community so much. We live in such a connected world when you think about social media and blah, blah, blah. But actually, when it comes to the human connection, we are oh. starving. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think it's so important to get out there. And It's so nice. The people that you meet on these walks, you know, you just as you walk, you're chatting. And sometimes it's easier to chat walking next to someone than sitting face to face with a coffee, you know, like. It's that, that whole thing about you're not looking at them so there's less pressure. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely mm-hmm. a thing. And especially, like, I know a lot of people are dealing with mental health stuff that presents in different ways, you know, whether it's depression, anxiety, all of the above. Um, parenting just in yeah. general is such a mind, like, it's such a, what do they call it? Like, uh, the mind load, the, yeah. Yeah, the mental capacity. The mental capacity, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. the bandwidth. <laughs> bandwidth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a beautiful thing to be doing. Um just on on that though, what when you're dealing with people face to face, and like I know that you've obviously done done that to some degree uh, for a long time, but in a corporate environment, you have an identity that you can step into. You have a role, you know what your expectations are, um, and you're yep. pretty much limited with that. When you're working yep. from a heart space, which any kind of um, mindfulness and parenting, anything like that, that's all coming from a place of uh, wanting to be of service, wanting to make things better. Uh, kind of yep. trying to uphold other people and honour their own journeys and make it better for them. 
Yeah. That can be a thing. Um, I've certainly seen it a few times, both in myself and in the girls that I work with on the Empowered Path program, where people will try and step over those boundaries. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with difficult conversations and kind of making sure that you're not being taken advantage of in any way? Good question. Um, I do, apart from the um, the walks, everything is done by Zoom. Um, so I don't do, oh, I, sorry, I do some classes for children live, like in person, but the parenting courses, they're all done by Zoom. I've only really had one instance where one particular person kind of took over the conversations every time and um, kept referring back to herself and telling her stories and going on a tangent, things like that. Um, and I, I think I just had to keep bringing back the conversation to what we were talking about um, and kind of including other people into the conversation. And um, afterwards, I think I just, I just can't even remember, I think I just sent her a message and just said, you know, you, um, there's a, we're, this is a group environment, so please can you leave space for other people to share their stories as well. And she was fine with that. I don't think she even realised that she'd been doing it. <laughs> wow. And yeah, that is the thing. And I guess, I mean, from her perspective, she was probably just feeling really overwhelmed and yeah. didn't know or didn't, I mean, we she always felt, know we're doing it, but. You know. <laughs> I think she felt unheard in her family life. You know, she had five children and she wow. was feeling unheard. And she just needed to let loose. Um, and so for those situations, I do offer one, one-on-one sessions where if you just need to talk, you mm. can just talk. Sometimes that's all people need, someone to listen while they talk. Um, and I think that's what she needed more so than the group coaching. Yeah, fair enough. And in mm. terms of people contacting you outside of your working hours and things like that, how, I mean, how do you handle that? Are you just quite strict with when you're available or? Oh, this is, this is what I'm not good at yet. No, I, I still am like, oh, I got a message, woohoo! Um, <laughs> but I, I am conscious of not being on my phone all the time and putting my phone down and not, and not having it with me. But in the evening, I'll have a quick check or um, I'll reply to things straight away. I'm still that's something I'm working on, Kylie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still not very good at that. That's okay. I have set up an out of office um, for my messenger and my Instagram. I think. It definitely yeah. helps. And it is one of those things that is a work in progress because we live in a world of instant gratification, unfortunately. So yeah. I think um, when we talk about it, we always kind of go set the expectations early because then yeah. everyone knows kind of what they're dealing with, which is, but I also think that you have to work to your strengths. So for me, as long as I know I'm the same as you, I like to get straight onto stuff. I like to give people a, a response straight away. Um, because then I know it's ticked off. I don't have to go back. I don't have to think yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. I won't forget. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't particularly have like set hours within my business where I'll respond to communications, but I am very particular about, I mean, because sometimes I'll, I get up at between half three and four every morning because of international work <laughs> and absent stuff, but yeah. I, I'm also in bed by like half seven, eight. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Balance>. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm a big fan of sleep. So, um, but I know that like when I'm responding to emails at that time in the morning, I will quite often schedule them to arrive later. So people don't That's know that right. I'm up at that time and things like that. But yeah. I just thought it was interesting because again, I think that you do have to work. Some people prefer structure. They prefer to be available between, you know, nine and 11 every morning for comms or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. but it is when you're, when you're doing the work that you're doing, a lot of people contact you when they get to this point of like, I can't do this anymore. So yeah. 
it's also, you know, I guess that comes into it a little bit as well when people are vulnerable when they're contacting you. And yeah, and they, if you leave it too long, then they'll, they'll feel like you don't care kind of thing. Um, I like to, if I can't reply, I'll often just shoot a quick message and say, hi, thanks for your message. Um, I can't reply, but I'll get back to you. And I'll let them know when to expect a message. And then um, I think that helps them feel a bit heard in the moment as well. You yeah. know, I can hear that you're struggling. Um, I'm, I'm here for you, but not right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, for sure. So yeah. do you have resources that you can direct people to, um, whether they're YouTube videos or TikToks or something like that, where you've got little techniques that you share with them or, you know, something that will show people them. how you work? I do. So I've got some PDFs that people can download, um, awesome. just a few. I'm building up my repertoire. Um, so I've got a little five secrets to help you keep your calm um, when you get to those moments. And also I'm just working on one, which is um, So You've Yelled, Now What?, which is all about how to, I guess what we were talking about earlier, um, how to apologise and how to move on from those moments rather than dwell on them yeah. because they happen to everybody. Yeah, oh, that's I've awesome. got some master classes as well, which are paid little paid hour long courses as well. Brilliant. Um, yeah, no, a little bit. So again, anyone can find those on your web pages or on your socials. Yes, they are. Yep, definitely. Yep. And what comes next for you? What are you planning? Do we have any retreats in the mind, or are we planning any? Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, no. I'm just kind of chugging along at the moment. I'm trying to um, work on my balance. Um, so I've got the membership which is starting, my regular Mindful Nature Walks which will go and then I'm working on just some more resources in the background just to help some maybe some free resources or maybe a course or two mm-hmm. um, but nothing too full on for the time being. My youngest is not at school yet so once he starts school um, and I have a bit more structure then I'll probably work on doing some of those lovely retreats Definitely. but for the time being I'm quite happy just being um, doing what I'm doing and getting um supporting people that way you've certainly done a lot in not even a year we're not even a year into you being in this full time so that's incredible (laughs) (laughs) I love that because when again during the empowered path course you come across women who need to go slowly they need to kind of pace themselves and they need to go um you know I I want to see my first client in six months and you've obviously gone no I'm good <laughs> we're going to do it this way. I mean, you're already doing masterclasses and yeah. like, those things tend to, I only came to those in my own space probably, oh, I don't know. I haven't even, I haven't even properly done masterclasses yet. It's been something I've been thinking about for two years. So, ah. you know. <laughs> yeah, but, well, yeah, pretty much. I'm very much, so the way my mind sort of works is I'm very, very in my creative for long periods of time, but then I'm also very detached from my business. So I need to kind of okay. kind of overcompensate when I'm in my creative to carry me through the detachment. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've been working on little different things, but by the time I get to something, it's often two, three years after it's first come up for me. It's never, it's never yeah. within months. So you're doing an amazing job. Well, thank you. <laughs> It's interesting how different people work, isn't it? It is. You know, different um, approaches to things. It's very fascinating. Yeah, but the, I think one of the gifts in doing what we do, being self-employed and holding space for people, being the common denominators, is that you can create something on the spur of the moment. Like I do that with workshops and things like that. Like I'll go, yeah. oh, I feel like doing this. Um, you're yeah, doing that you with do classes and, and um, nature walks. And it's just amazing. You can just wake up one morning and go like, no, I feel like doing it this time. The, you know, I'm going to do I it this way it. today. <laughs> so. You don't have to run it past anybody. <laughs> no. And you just you just pop something together on Canva and off you go. And suddenly it's, it, it yeah. exists. Like the thought, it's, it's, like, I don't know, thinking about it 
breathes life into yeah. it. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. You're right. It's great. It's great to have that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Carly, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> and hopefully we will catch up down the track. I'd love to learn more about what you do myself anyway. Yeah, um, that sounds so, great. Come on a nature walk with me. <laughs> I'd love to. And also um, I will be following socials and everything else. So I'll try, and, I'll try and find your pages to post them on mine so people can kind of link the podcast with the pages. Makes it easier. Ah, okay. That would be awesome. <laughs> <All right. laughs> awesome. Well, you have a fantastic day and thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care, Kylie. Thank lovely. you. Bye. Bye.